25 years ago, 26, 28, 28 years ago, I was in their living room, and uh, in came a man with a guest named A. Stephen, Pastor A. Stephen. I had met him once before, just so briefly, but I'd never had an encounter with him. And he came to talk to our fledgling little, the church was about 10 then, I think, wasn't it? I don't know. It was really small. And uh, talked to us about drilling freshwater wells in India. And he told us about so many things about gospel teams that would go out and convey the gospel to the remote villages in India where people had not heard the gospel. Not, not the big cities, but out there in the remote villages. And, and he just talked to us about his desire to build a hospital and his desire to bless the poor and proclaim. He was just a fearless evangelist. Proclaim Christ crucified to India. He would paid a great price to be the man that he, that he was. And he looked at me in your kitchen after that kinship was, home group was over and, he, we were looked, and we were eating some of your brownies. And I remember we were eating some of your brownies and he looked up at me and he said, Pastor, someday you will come to India. And I said, oh, no, I'll never come to India. No, 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 no. He said, yes, you will come. He said, oh, thank you. Thank you. And I just always want to thank you guys for being those people who made that happen. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure how many times I have gone to India at this point. <laughs> but I developed a deep, deep, deep relationship, friendship, brotherhood with Pastor A. Stephen over many years and many trips and going with him in all kinds of situations out into remote parts of India and in Bangalore and the city. And, and it's been a great, great thing. And as so many of you know, that in 2012 he passed away. And that was heartbreaking. Um, but something amazing happened after that. I, we, I always, always, always had so much admiration and respect for Pastor Stephen's wife, Queenie. And she was always there, and she was always at his side, and she was tireless. But losing her husband, who was the real front of Cornerstone World Challenge, was a big thing. But God graced her and God blessed her and God raised her up to come and, and, and to lead the ministry. And it's been amazing. This is, is, this is an amazing woman. And I would like, as we receive our offering, I would like for you to give her your attention for the next few minutes. Please welcome from Bangalore, India, Sister Queenie Stephen. Praise Lord. How many of you really come to the presence of God that God is going to do, God is going to bless, we're going to have a wonderful time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When the praise and worship was going on, I was blessed, you know, I can feel the presence of God is coming among us. He touched me. Really, pastor and the team, I really wanted to thank you, pastor. For all the singings, really you bless my soul. And also I wanted to thank Pastors Tom and Sister Karen and this congregation. Throughout the friendship, throughout the years, this, you people have stood with me 
encouraged me because i am standing like this like a bold woman that is because of your prayer hallelujah i need lot of prayers too i we need lot of prayers without prayers i i realize without prayer i cannot do anything because i am standing here i wanted to read a verse from job the job saying like this he performs wonder that cannot be imagine miracles that cannot be counted that kind of miracles that kind of things is doing in my life doing in india uh, among our christian community in india we are blessed only thing i say today morning because of christian unity is not there we are not succeeding in, in india if only the christian people come together living all the denominations we are catholics we are methodists we are baptists if only the body of christ come into one this god will do wonders in india we can face anybody hallelujah this morning i wanted to tell you the way i came through it's a very difficult ways people mocked at me people uh, blamed me always they don't want me accept as a cornerstones uh, after pastor stephen's death i have took over the i took the organization i wanted to run this one not by my own desire people said you have to take over and you have to stand for this organization then i was asking god why lord why all these things is happening to me the man of god is gone so much he did for our country so much we did for our organization build up sil our own people are rejecting me then i i was you know so many days i was uh, waiting upon the lord the lord said i chosen you you raise up and stand i will speak for you you will do the wonders the days to come you will you will be the leader for this organization by god's grace people who don't want me to be the leader so many people they don't want to be in the office but i told one day i called them i said brother if you like with me to work with under me i said why you don't want to work with me he said you are a lady i don't want to work under the women then he said cornerstone is not a family heritage this is a spiritual organization so this not one husband dies the wife can take it out when the wife dies the children will die. have to take it out this has to pass on to somebody i said yes that is true but still we have not found the faithful person to take over this organization then i told him brother whether you like it to work with me you work if not you can live peacefully if wherever god wants you to go you go some people left me some people are still with me they don't like to see me but i god has given me authority to talk to them do this work i wanted to finish i want you people to finish the work and come back to me yeah all these people are saying this lady has become like a pastor stephen my husband is a very strict he is very much loved with lord he'll do anything for the christ i told all these years i lived with pastor stephen if i'm not going to be little like stephen i'm ashamed to say that i'm 
wife of Pastor Stephen. Yeah. So God has given me a boldness. God has given me a strength to run this organization. We come across like a... I walked through the valley of death. I walked through the waters. I walked through the uh, fire. But God still, his hand was upon me. In his blessing us and blessing our ministries, blessing our organization also. Though the financial situation has become very bad, but still we don't know from where the money is coming, how we are sending the support to our organization. All these things happen. I wanted to tell about our, our campus. The campus was taken by our, milit our um, political power and the uh, Hindu, Hindus, you know, they just came and they were at the back of this thing, the mafia, land mafia was standing. So with the help of political people, just they came in, inside our property, they started to saying, this is our property. Most of you people know the campus has been taken away. No, it's a part of campus is taken away. One part still we have. So I was talking to pastor. Pastor also said, oh, we thought old campus has been taken away by the militants. But the day when the people came inside, 3,000 people were in, the, in our campus. All rowdies and gundas, you know, all drunken people were standing. They did not let us to go inside the campus. So we thought we'll go to the uh, police station and we give the complaint. We were standing for two hours, my, myself, my lawyer, my son. And other side of the police station, one group of people were standing, 200 people were standing. They were talking, you know, when we called to the police inspector, we were calling by phone, he never takes the phone. Two hours we are trying, trying, trying. At last we came to know these militants have given the bribe to those police people, so not to take my call. Then I, uh, then I was telling what to do, Lord. Then this, uh, the group of people was saying, when the lady comes here, kidnap her. Put her in the car and take her. We'll see what will happen. I am standing there. God has closed their eyes. They are saying that lady come. And the lady was standing there. My son was telling, Mama, it's very dangerous for your Life, let us go. I said, son, don't worry. God is with me. Nobody can come and touch me. See, they're saying the lady comes. I'm the lady standing. You need not worry about that. That kind of God we serve. God is with me all the time. Wherever I go, by faith, I'll catch his hand. By faith, I will hold him. Lord, you're the God of Almighty. You have to come with me. You have to do the things for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But God is doing the things to me wherever I go. In the court case also, when we went to the court, so many people were standing against us. And our staff said, Madam, you cannot go. See, all the people are standing. They may harm. I said, I will go. Through them, God will take me. When they were blocking the way to go, to in, go inside the court, when I stepped inside, these people have moved both the side and they left me, you know. I went and sat in this prison. He said, oh my God, I, we cannot do it like you, you know. You are so bold. God has given me the boldness. Let it be an, happen anything for Christ. I will stand for the truth. I will do anything for the Christ. That kind of God we are serving. In India, after our Modi comes, our chief minister has become a prime minister, has become a second time. He is claiming India will be the 
Indonesian by 2020. No uh, Christians and Muslims will be staying here. Whether you come back to Hinduism or you have to leave the country. But if God is be with us, I am not afraid they are going to do some things. But God will, I think, God will change our nation. God will revive our center. The, the revival should come to our country. The man was saying he has to be saved. So as a congregation, you people, pray for us. India will change many things, you know. They, for the political games, political, uh, this thing, they, they are aggravating the religion. They wanted to, you know, they were diverting the things to religion so that people can fight, they can enjoy the everything, the wealth and the health and everything they wanted to enjoy. That kind of government we are having. But, but God can change anything in his time. So we are, as, so in our organization also, two, three churches been destroyed. Our pastors has been beaten up. Whenever I hear the pastors were beaten up, I go, I take a trip to them. I say, brother, don't be discouraged. This privilege, everybody can, cannot get it, you know. Somebody is coming and beating you up. Your blood is shed there. God is going to get, raise so many souls in that place. Be bold. You stand up for the Lord. One more time, you know, tenfold you can do it, the things. I encourage them and come back to them. One of the churches have a prayer groups, like a tenth one. It has become like a churches. Nowadays, I am not, uh, we are cornerstone. We are not buying the land or we are not constructing the church. But we say by faith, if God gives you the land and the church, you are welcome to build. The congregation, the villages, the villages are giving the properties and the villages are building the small, small churches. There the congregation is worshipping the Lord. Though they're one way they're destroying the church, another way God is raising the small, small churches there. People are very eager. People are very anxious. They want to know the truth of God. But the devil is blocking them, you know. But Hinduism, people are really, they're searching for the truth. We have so many counts. All our church believers, all are the first generation Christian Hindus, they, are, they come from Hindu background. That kind of people, when we go approach, we go and say to, about the God, they are very happy to receive Christ as their personal savior. In, in North India, I can say, one of the church, North Indian people, very hard to bring them to the Christ. One, one evening meeting when we are having, and the militants enter them. They said, all your Hindu people are worshipping their God. All with their forehead, they have the, the, that Hindu mark. And everybody is like, they are Hindus. But they, when the militants came, they said, you cannot worship this God. They said, this God has changed our life. This God has given us a peace. This God, we are Hindus. But we worship God, Jesus. That kind of churches are growing. So many people. One lady stood up and said, we are not going to forgo Jesus Christ. Let anything happen. Still we are Hindus only. But we like the, this God also. We are, we are, we, 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 he blessed us. We wanted to follow them. By the time the media came, so media and people were taking all the videos. It came into the public telecast, this thing. This, this, this is the thing that is happening. 
alert the Hindus, you know, these other things is happening. So be careful of the Christians who are coming and approaching him. But I think, brothers and sisters, nothing can stop the love of Christ going to the people. If God wants them to save them, God has chosen them in his time. The evil raise up the children of God in the Hindu background. Muslims, they cannot go and fight with them because every Muslim house has a big, big sword. They keep it. Anybody comes, they won't talk. They'll chop their heads because they cannot do with the Muslims. They're coming and fighting with the Christian people. This is the things is happening. By the gods of grace, we are, though we have so much of problem in India, so much of the persecution, I don't know what will happen the next moment, but... God is with me. My name has come in the blacklisted. That's the reason the FCR fund in the foreign contribution fund has been blocked. Because the foreign contribution is coming, these people can do, they can support, they print the literature, everything they are going to do. So when we stop, they will be paralyzed. But God is good. God is able to run this organization with through many people like you, your church, like pastor, so many people from, from the world, they are supporting us, they are praying for us. And also I wanted to uh, we, uh, tell, our tailoring school is going on very well. As soon as we go back, 80 ladies will be graduated from our tailoring school and they are going back to their places where they can live their livelihood. Oh, most of them, 80% of them, they accepted Christ as their personal savior. We First, we introduce the Christ. When they come and join in our school, we say, this is a condition. First, we'll pray. Then we will read the word of God. And we'll pray. Then when we will start. The first few months, they don't like, you know, because Muslims and Hindus, they come. After that, they'll open up their hearts. When we say, God, can you pray for me, for my family? The things happens in their life. They accept their Christ as their family of a personal savior, the family lifestyle will be changed. So many Muslims ladies have become a secret believers. They won't come to the church on Sundays, but they come weekdays, Bible study and fasting and prayer. They come and sit and pray. They go. That kind of God is doing many things among the people. Only thing, you people have to support us. You know, every day, maybe when the thought comes about India, just say, Lord, let these Christians be strengthened by your, this thing. Protect them. Let them do whatever you wanted to do the days to come. We have to do so many things. When I go back, so many things are waiting for me to go and do it. But by God's grace, when I go back, God will sustain me. I am having a very wonderful time when I came to Columbus. Really, I am blessed. So the presence of God was with me. I can feel the, you know... God is uh, speaking to me. He's preparing me to go back and do the ministry in, in India. Like that, we, uh, when I go back, please continue to pray for me. And also the Bangalore office people and also church people, all the cornerstone believers, they're sending their greetings to pastor for this congregation. Thank you for this opportunity God gave me. So, 
The thing that happens when Queenie comes to visit us is that uh, Karen said it uh, best a couple days ago. She said she just makes us want to be better people. I mean, right now, some of you are getting inspired to go share your faith, aren't you? Because you hear about the opposition that they face daily. And uh, she just makes you want to be a better person. Yeah. Oh. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. <laughs> yeah. In case you didn't know. <laughs> Who would like to come up and help us pray with Queenie? Come on up. Holy Spirit, we ask that you will uh, refresh and refill our sister she is so refreshing to us. So how does she be so challenging and encouraging all in the same breath, Lord? I don't know, but I thank you for her. We thank you for her life. We thank you for her sacrifice. We thank you that you have touched her with your Holy Spirit in deep places and that you have given her the capacity to recover from very serious physical issues and now stands and moves about South Central India with vigor and and, and you, you are there with her, and God, I just thank you. Thank you. I pray, we pray together, Lord, that we lay claim to this, that this truth, that the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. And so that you would order her steps, Lord, and you would make a way in front of her. It doesn't have to be too far in front, but just each step would be cleared out by you, that you would love her, that you would protect her, that you would use her. We pray for the pastors and evangelists in the Cornerstone Ministry, the hundreds of them who right now are in their villages sharing the gospel. We pray for the believers of Cornerstone World Challenge Churches, Lord, the thousands upon thousands of Indian believers now throughout South India who have found their way through, through Queenie and Stephen, Father, we thank you for them. We pray your blessing on them. We pray your protection on them. We pray the miracle-working power of God in their lives now. And we pray for our dear sister that you'll bless her coming in and her going out, her eating, her drinking. We pray you'll bless her travel here in the United States and bless her soon return to India. We ask your blessing on her in Jesus' name. Church said what? Amen. 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 All right. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Christian Rood. I'm the associate pastor here. This two-hour sermon that I had planned is going to get a little bit, a little bit shorter here today. I'm going to improvise. And, and actually, I, I, as Queenie was speaking, I, I think I, I want to actually go in a, a bit of a di different direction today. But before I do that, oh, yeah. oh, hey, Tim Pierce. Why don't we have our middle schoolers go out with Tim? So Tim also has a two-hour lesson player, planned for you. So, yes. Give it up for middle schoolers, guys. It's a tough life. You think you have it hard. You are not in middle school, okay? So just pray to the Lord today and thank Him you're not in middle school. All right. Well, as I said, I want to switch it up here real quick because I don't have a lot of time. I want to be respectful of your time. And I want to call this, this brief sermonette, we'll call it. I want to call this Prayer 2.0. Tom talked about, not 2.0, as if it's... Well, let's call it prayer part two. I don't have anything written down, so it, it's going to be a lot of retractions probably after this talk. But I, I want to just talk for, for just a moment uh, about prayer. We've been, we've been looking at, at Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, and this is what we read. Let's look at it again briefly. 
They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It's amazing. So Tom talked about prayer last week, and I want to continue this theme. What what would it look like to to cultivate or create a community of prayer in our midst? Obviously, this is something that if you've been around for a while, you know I I believe this is a strength of our community. We we are a a community who presses into prayer. But what would it it look like to to press in even more? And, and, you know, one of the reasons I I think we struggle with prayer today is is because without even realizing it, in our minds, we we create a false dichotomy between how God worked in the Bible and, and how he actually works today. In other words, we believe that the Bible has much to teach us, and we believe that these stories actually did happen. I I imagine if we took a a poll here today that that those of us who were followers of Jesus would say, no, I I believe the biblical stories to be true. But you know, often we live with very little faith that that God wants to move in the same way today. In the the back of our minds, I think there is this tendency to say, "Well, well, yes, God moved this way in the Bible. Yes, God poured out his spirit on the disciples of Pentecost. Yes, God used Peter to to preach the gospel and see 3,000 men and women come to know the Lord that great day. And yes, the the church began to spread throughout the Roman Empire despite intense persecution, but that's just not the the world that we're living in today. It's just not the world we're living in today. And and in our world, I I think we're tempted to think that the only people who tend to accept Jesus in America are are guilt-stricken Christians who are just coming back to the Lord for the third or fourth time for the the insurance of it all, right? Of Okay, I'm just going to accept him again. Or maybe they're former homeschoolers who grew up in the church and they moved away, but now it's like, okay, I'm coming back into the fold. that's, That's where our anticipations are. That's where our expectation lies. We don't often live with this this expectation that God might actually want to move in our midst in the way that he moved in Acts chapter 2. We we don't have this expectation that that God might want to add to our number daily those who are being saved. And you know, the the, the reason, friends, that, that many of us assume that God doesn't move today like he did in the past, like he did in the Bible, I, I believe is because over the past 50 years, much of, of God's work has been accomplished, or much of God's power has been spent outside of the Western world. As Queenie was sharing, I was just reminded of, of this fact, that, that God is, is working powerfully all over the world, and because We as Westerners, rather arrogantly, assume that if something isn't happening in the West, something isn't happening in North America, something isn't happening in Western Europe, or maybe Australia, we rather arrogantly just assume that it, well, it doesn't matter much. Let me me just give you a a few stats of of what God is doing all around the world right now. In, In 1906, the Holy Spirit fell on a little prayer meeting on Azusa Street, just outside Los Angeles, and it sparked the Pentecostal movement. Many of you are familiar with this. Today, just a little over 100 years later, there are 300 million Pentecostals around the world. 300 million. In 1980, just just 
Less than 100 years after Azusa Street, Pentecostals represented 6% of Christians worldwide. 6%. Today, today, just a few decades later, Pentecostals represent 25% of global Christians. That means one out of every four Christians you run into around this world, they're going to be a, a Pentecostal. And this movement has been around for just a little over 100 years. But because most of this growth has occurred outside of the West, because it's occurred in the global South, that is, Latin America and Sub-Saharan Africa and parts of Southeast Asia, we have just missed what God has been doing all over the world. So we talk about the secularization of the world. It's a huge buzz topic, right? The world is becoming increasingly secular. That's, that's not the truth at all. Any sociologist worth his salt or worth her salt will tell you that, that this world is becoming increasingly more religious. It's just not happening in the West. Let me give you another example. Let, let's talk about China for a moment. You know, one sociologist at Purdue estimated that the Chinese church, get, get this for a second, has grown by 10% every year for the last 40 years. That means 40 years ago they grew by 10%. And then they took that number, and they grew by 10%. And they took that number, and they grew by 10%. You, you understand math, okay. 40 years of growing at a 10% rate. By 2030, it is projected, so, so 10 and a half years from now, before my kid is in high school, by 2030, it is projected that there will be more Christians in China than in the U.S., I don't know if that messes with your foreign policy or not. I'm just going to leave that there. But by 2030, China will be the world's largest Christian nation. And this has happened in a country in which it is still illegal to proselytize or to share your faith. Even this very year, 2019, some very influential churches in China have been shut down. Churches with over 1,000 people in them shut down. Pastors imprisoned. And yet, this, this church in China is growing, not by, the, not by the tens, not by the thousands, by the millions. By the millions. In fact, if you want to just do a bit of a deeper dive on, on what's happening in China, I, I recommend to you a book called The Heavenly Man. It's by a man named Brother Yun. I think that's how you pronounce it, or Yun. And this, this brother's still alive. He's living in Germany. He can't go back to China. But... I mean, if you want your worldview messed up, if you want your paradigm shifted of what God is doing in the, this world, read The Heavenly Man, because it reads like a book straight out of Acts. I mean, it reads like Acts 29, 30, 31, and 32. I, I mean, th th you, got people, you got people in jail, and the prison cells are, are just magically opening, and they're walking out in broad daylight undetected by the guards. It, you have stories like that throughout this book. God is moving all over this earth. That's the reality. He's never stopped. And so the reason, friends, I'm sharing all that as a bit of a preface to say this. The reason that we gather on Tuesday nights here at the church, we gather every night at 7 p.m. to pray right here, right in front of this stage. The reason that we gather on Thursday mornings, the reason that we gather on Sundays before each service, the reason that our mobile prayer team goes out and prays over these city streets every other Thursday, the reason that we do this is because we have seen the way that the Lord has moved throughout the Bible. And we've seen the way that the Lord has moved throughout church history. And we see the way the Lord is moving all throughout the world today. And we want to come together and we want to say, God, would you do it in our midst? 
Would you do it in our midst? You are moving in India. You are moving in China. You are moving all throughout Sub-Saharan Africa. Would you do it in our midst, God? You know, I want to be a part of a community. I want to be a part of a church that says, God, would you come? And and would would the church in Grove City grow by 10% every year over the next 40 years? And would the church in Ohio grow by 10% every year for the next 40 years? And would the church in the West that desperately needs a touch from the Lord, would it grow by 10% every year for the next 40 years? If someone doesn't say amen right now, I'm going to stop preaching. I promise you I will. reality is God has not stopped moving all over this earth. You know, one of the first, I'm going to end here, one of the first verses I ever memorized right after becoming a believer, I became a believer at the age of 20 when I was a sophomore at the Ohio State University, and one of the first verses I ever memorized, it was 2 Chronicles 7.14. Many of you are familiar with this verse. This is This is one that we need to come back to continually. 2 Chronicles 7.14, this is what we read. If my people, God says, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And you know what I love about this verse, what I had never noticed before? is this verse highlights for us that God's movement amongst the people never has anything to do with what's going on outside of the church. Did you catch that? What does it say? It says, if my people, if my people, in fact, if if you want to turn there now or flip there in your phone, why don't you just underline that phrase? If my people. So what this means is that we can bemoan our current cultural landscape all we want. We can lament our, our our political climate, we can lament the ills of social media, we, we can lament the fact that, that seemingly two people who disagree in our country cannot have a civilized disagreement. We, we can lament the lack of civil discourse in our culture, but the fact remains, it is not what is happening outside of the church that is keeping God from moving in our midst. Do you get this? Do you get that? The Lord is looking for a people who will humble themselves and pray. And seek his face. It's not what is happening outside the church that is going to produce the great move of God. It's the people of God coming together in prayer and saying, God, would you do it? Would you do it? Would you do it in our midst? I don't have any more notes, and so let me give, give me a second up here. You know, here's what I want to do. I think think what the Lord wants to do, you know, so rarely do we have the opportunity as a full church to pray for our city. To pray as a church for our city together. We have prayer meetings all the time, and those are wonderful. And we pray together, you know, briefly before a sermon or before taking communion or the offering. But, but so, so rarely do we have the church as an entire, chance as an entire body to, to pray together. And so here, here's what I want to do. Why don't, why don't we all stand? Why, why don't we have the band come up? 
And why don't we just take a few minutes together to pray for the city of Grove City, to pray that God would move in our midst. You know, one of my, my favorite passages in all of Scripture is, I don't have it in my notes, so it's either 1 Kings or 2 Kings. I promise, it's one of my favorites. Right? <laughs> but it's, it's when Elijah had just gone up to heaven. And he's, he's left his protege, he's left Elijah there, Elisha there. And, and they had just crossed over the water, you know, Elijah had hit it with his cloak, and the water had parted, and they'd crossed over together. And now Elijah's gone, and Elisha, his, his protege, his mentee, is there. And he has Elijah's cloak, and he has this moment where he's come back to this body of water, and, and he's thinking to himself, is God going to part the water for me too? And, and he calls out this phrase, and I love this phrase. He says, where now is the God of Elijah? And what he's doing here, that's a rhetorical question. It's a, it's a question, or it's a statement, rather, of faith. He's saying, where is the God of Elijah? He's still in heaven. He's still seated on the throne. He's still working and moving. And, and so I want to be a, a, around a group of people who, who would come before the Lord and say, where now is the God of Latin America? Where now is the God of China who's moving and bringing millions of people to himself? Would you move in our midst? We know where you are. Father, you're on the throne. You're on the throne. And you can do in the West, you can do in the U.S., you can do in Grove City what you've done all around the world and what you are doing right now. And so we ask, we humble ourselves, we seek your face, we, we want you to move. And so let's take just the next few minutes, just two or three minutes, and, and just call out to the Lord your own prayers. You can pray in your heart. You can pray out loud. But we're just going to pray for the city of Grove City. We're just a couple minutes together. Just pray in your own heart or you can feel free to pray your prayers out loud. But together, we want to just all be praying together, asking God to move in our midst. And then I'm going to come back up and we'll sing one last worship song. So let's pray. Let's pray our best prayers for this city.